for those of you who were paying attention, you will notice that all three of the readings this morning have to do with justice. The first one is in Parashah Imor, at the end where we have the Egyptian son who is stoned. And that's where we have the famous eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In Latin, that's called lex talionis, which means the law of retribution. It has a bad name in our society. The way the Jews enforced that is they regard it as proportional punishment, which is to say if you injure somebody or damage somebody, that the punishment that you receive should be proportional to what you did. So I don't know about you, but if somebody, for example, were to break my wife's arm, I would be pretty upset, and I would probably want to do something really drastic to that person. And what the proportional retribution does is make sure that I cannot give rein to my anger and take more vengeance than is due. The person that broke her arms certainly should be held accountable and do whatever is necessary to make that good. But on the other hand, me smashing his head in is way out of proportion to what happened. Now, there are societies where they take that literally. For example, I believe Islam does. One of the popular sports in Islam is throwing acid in people's faces. And they caught somebody that did that and turned around and threw acid in his face. But Jews don't do that. The Jewish understanding of it is proportional and it's figurative and not literal. And then we had in Ezekiel 44 reading, it says the priests are to administer the law. Also that parallels Leviticus 10. You are to distinguish between holy and common and between the clean and the unclean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. And then in the Ezekiel passage, it says in a dispute, you're supposed to serve as judges. So the priests are responsible for teaching the law. And then when there is a dispute, they're responsible for judging between parties. That, by the way, is, I believe, I don't know this is historical, but at least conceptually, that's the origin of the idea that ignorance of the law is no excuse because the priests were commanded periodically to get everybody together and tell them what the law was. So the idea that you don't know what the law was is no excuse in Hebrew law because you were taught by the priest. Now, we still have that rule, but the code of law has become so complicated that nobody knows. In fact, there's a, an old saying, a couple of prosecutors were standing around talking and says, I could indict a ham sandwich if I wanted to. In other words, the laws are so convoluted and complex. In fact, another way to say it is, show me the man and I'll show you the crime, which is to say, bring anybody up before me and I'll find something that he did. So that principle has sort of gone away. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then finally, in John chapter 7, where we have the woman in adultery, what you have there is selective prosecution. Because if you remember your law of Moses, which I'm sure all of you do, when there's an act of adultery, the man and the woman are both to be stoned. So the question becomes, how come this woman is up there by herself? Where's the guy? 
if they were caught in adultery, there were two of them. That's, you know, the way it works. So what we have here is selective prosecution. And Yeshua, what he does when he shames people into going away is he removes the witnesses. Because remember, someone can only be stoned on the testimony of two or more witnesses. So if we don't have any witnesses, then he can't stone them. And by the way, he upholds the law. When they say, what do you say we should do? He says, let him without sin cast the first stone. He is saying, okay, you've got this woman in adultery, stone her. But then he does a lateral arabesque and says, and oh, by the way, there isn't anybody going to do it and there are no witnesses. But the whole point of the deal is we have a selective prosecution, which we have a problem with today in this country. So all of these readings today talk about justice, so I'm going to talk about justice. So, it's important. God talks over and over and over again about justice. And the reason that he talks about justice, A, of course, he is righteous and the righteous judge, so he gets to do that. But the other part of that is justice is necessary for the healthy functioning of a society. We have a principle in the United States of consent of the governed, which is to say the government exists by the sufferance of the people. If the people get the idea that the government is no longer just, what happens is consent gets withdrawn. All sorts of pathologies can rise from that. You can have revolutions, you can have people taking law into their own hands. All sorts of things can flow from a perception that the government is not just. And God says over and over and over again, go to Exodus 23. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. Malicious witness, false witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, which is to say you won't follow a crowd to a justice's house to intimidate him. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many. In other words, you look around and see what's popular and that's how you do your testimony. And you shall not be partial to the poor man in his lawsuit which is to say rich and poor coming before the judge are to be treated equally. Now, one of the things that happens again in our society, anybody heard of the great granny scolding? Back in the 90s, a lady gets a cup of coffee from McDonald's, and she puts it between her knees and is trying to pop the top off, and in the process slops this hot coffee all over herself. Sustained terrible burns. There's no question she was injured. But McDonald's didn't injure her, yet McDonald's was sued, and one of the arguments was the amount we're asking for is less than McDonald's makes in half an hour selling coffee, which is to say they're rich, we're poor, they can afford it, therefore our client should be awarded damages, and she was. So that's being partial to the poor. So the idea here in God's law is justice is applied uniformly. The other thing we have in God's law are clear standards. God says, don't kill. 
God says, don't oppress the sojourner. God says, don't steal, etc. So the law in God's economy is clear. Now, let me make one distinction here. We also have local laws. God's law doesn't say anything about not speeding on I-25. So there are human laws that we make for situations, and those are okay. I'm not speaking about that. So if you get caught speeding on I-25 and you get a ticket, don't say, God's law doesn't say anything about speeding here. Okay, everybody with me on that one. So what happens today is instead of having clear objective standards, what we have are subjective standards. And that goes clear back to the garden. Remember, the whole business with eating of the fruit is we will have the knowledge of good and evil. And the idea there is we want to decide for ourselves what's good and evil as opposed to looking to God to decide what is good and evil. So what we have nowadays, and it's especially rampant as our society goes downhill, is you have all sorts of subjective standards that people stand up and proclaim. Well, everybody has a right to a house. My body, my choice. Except, of course, when they want you to take a vaccine. The point is, these are subjective standards. These are not objective standards. God's standards are objective, and he says the law must be applied objectively, not subjectively. Now, in God's economy, as it is in the Torah, and this changed over a period of time, but originally there were no prisons. So when somebody got crosswise, there were four things that could happen. If he got crosswise badly enough, he was put to death. Murder, adultery, those kinds of things. A clear standard, if you do that, you're put to death. The next one is exile. Being cut off from his people. So if you do something that isn't worthy of death, you're put outside the camp, if you will. That's exile. The next one is money or livestock. So if you steal a sheep, there is a ratio in the Torah of how you repay it. And that, by the way, was in today's Torah portion. Were you talking about killing an animal? So if you kill somebody's sheep, you have to replace their sheep. Plus, there's a ratio for that. And then the final one is slavery. And what that is, is if you cannot make restitution for what you have done, you are sold for a period of time and you're a slave for so many years until you A, either pay off your debt or the year of release. And so the idea there is you are put under somebody else's supervision for a period of time. And somebody else imposes discipline on you for that period of time. In the Hebrew economy, slave is not something you are. Slave is something you do for a period of time. So that was the judicial system. Now, as I was saying, equal application. One of the things about the Torah is it says, for example, that you cannot discriminate against the sojourner, the widow, or the orphan. And the deal there is sojourners, widows, and orphans don't have anybody to stand up for them. So if you're a stranger in some country and in fact, I can remember being in Korea, and one of the soldiers got into an automobile accident. You could see the Korean justice system, rich American, here we go. 
And the idea there is they were looking because this American didn't have any friends in the Korean legal system. He's fair game. The Torah says you can't do that. A widow has nobody to support her. So you are not allowed to take advantage of a widow in that sense. And similarly, an orphan is somebody who doesn't have a family to protect him and so forth. So those are, if you will, God's poster children for people that you're not allowed to take advantage of. But the greater principle is everybody is held to the same standards. Everybody is judged by the same standards. And you cannot be partial because somebody is socially connected. It's not legal because the sojourner, the orphan, and the widow don't have that ability. The other thing that's interesting is in the Torah is the beginning of the jury system. Now, the jury system is pretty much unique to the English-speaking world. And in fact, in the former British colonies, a lot of the colonies have reverted and gone away from it. So basically, the pure jury system is almost, almost unique to the United States right now. And that one is interesting because in Numbers 35, verse 12, talking about cities of refuge. You all know cities of refuge. Somebody kills somebody, he beats feet and goes to one of the cities of refuge. And the cities of refuge then takes him back to the scene of the killing, investigates sees whether it was an actual accident or whether it was what would be known as negligence or whether it was murder. If it was just a straight accident, nobody at fault, then the guy goes home. If it was manslaughter, which is negligent homicide, then he stays in the city of refuge until the high priest dies, which is he disrupts his life for some period of time and has to live with no support in a strange city. And if it was murder... He's stoned. Well, it's interesting. Let me read what it says here. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. So he stands before the congregation, not just before a judge. So that is functionally, if you will, the jury system. And in common law, the jury is designed to be a check on the power of the state. Because if somebody gets hauled before a jury and the jury of his peers says, wait a minute, this is stupid, or the jury can also say, this law is stupid and we refuse to convict. That happened especially during the Civil War where you had the Fugitive Slave Act which was a law that said slaves had to be sent back to their master. Well, that's exactly contrary to Torah, because the Torah says if a slave flees from his master and he comes to you for refuge, you don't send him back. So the government was prosecuting people under the Fugitive Slave Act, and juries were refusing to convict. Guy clearly did it. I mean, he guilty, quote unquote, but the jury would just routinely return a verdict of not guilty. So what they were doing de facto was saying the law is unjust and we aren't going to convict anybody of it. So in that sense, the jury system becomes a check on the power of government. So 
Vengeance. Vengeance is important. Go back to my hypothetical example where somebody has damaged my wife. I want vengeance. In fact, there is a person in the Hebrew legal system who is labeled the avenger of blood, who is the one who chases down somebody who has killed a relative, and he has the authority to take vengeance if he catches this guy outside the city of refuge, and there's no blood guilt on him. So vengeance is a big deal. And the reason vengeance is a big deal is we all have a sense of justice. And so if somebody damages my wife, one of my children or something, I want that person punished. That's vengeance. What the Bible says is personal vengeance is illegal. Don't do that. And again, we go back to my example. My sense of what's right and wrong in the case of a damage to my family is probably going to be way out of proportion to what an impartial jury would find. Hence, I'm not allowed to let my emotions run wild and take personal vengeance. That is in the Torah, that is in Romans, that is all over the place. However, let me read you Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. Whoever therefore resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Straightforward. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for the good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, one of the common things that happens, especially with people who are opposed to the death penalty, well, that's just vengeance, as if that is something wrong. It is not. Vengeance is entirely appropriate. What is inappropriate is personal vengeance. In other words, for you to take that into your own hands and do whatever you want. That's the whole purpose of the government here, where the vengeance of God has been delegated to the government. And the government is then responsible for being the avenger. If the government doesn't fulfill its role as the avenger, then what you have is people who are aggrieved and angry who have no place to go to get rid of that fury. And then what you wind up having is vigilante justice and lack of uh, faith in the legal system. So the government is, in fact, supposed to execute vengeance proportionately to the crime. Again, that's the idea of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, etc. This dispassionate jury system or judge is supposed to look at the situation and say, yes, I'm going to execute vengeance, and this is how much vengeance I'm going to execute because that's what's appropriate in this case. And I know you're really upset, and you really want this guy strung out on an anthill, but no, that is out of proportion to what happened. Because one of the things that happens as you're talking with people, especially with respect to the death penalty and so forth, is you get this, that's just vengeance. We're not supposed to take vengeance. 
Well, you're right. You're not supposed to take vengeance, but vengeance is supposed to be executed. So, finally, lawfare. Anybody heard the phrase lawfare? What it is, is using the law for warfare. And I'll read it to you from Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Everybody got the situation here. Israel is in a bad way because of their sins. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. You rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. So what's happened is the legal system is now being used in a way that is inappropriate. The powerful, the well-connected, and so forth are using the law to get at their enemies unjustly. That's what's being talked about here. They hatch adder's eggs. They weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. So the idea here is they have woven a spider's web of laws, and they use that spider web to catch the innocent. This is straight out of Isaiah. There's a bunch more, but let me read down at the bottom. Down to verse 14. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth is stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Which is to say the righteous one becomes a victim of the legal system. Because they use the legal system to go after people as opposed to dispensing justice. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And that's why I'm talking about this. That's pretty much in many parts of the country where we are right now. And I could give you dozens of examples if I could think of them off the top of my head because there are dozens. It is against federal law to try and intimidate a federal judge. There's a law that says you can't do that. Now, we can argue about whether that law is right as a violation of the First Amendment. I mean, we could argue about that. That's another discussion, and if you don't like that law, that's fine. We can argue about it. But the point is, it is the law. The Attorney General refuses to enforce it. Just not going to do it. Because the mob is going after somebody that he wants to have gone after. That's where we're talking about this truth is lacking. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. So who has departed from evil in this little scenario? The justices who have voted to overturn Roe. They have departed from evil. And in that process, they have made themselves a prey. I wasn't going to go to January 6th, but you've got people that have been in jail for over a year for misdemeanor violations. They're being charged routinely with misdemeanors. They have been in jail for over a year awaiting trial. What I'm saying is, 
justice is really important. And, and you're all sitting there going like this and getting all worked up, which is fine. But understand, this is why God says justice is important. Because when the perception is that the system is not just, people really get riled up. Our inner two-year-old rises up and says, that's not fair. That's why God spends so much time talking about justice. And that's why God places so much emphasis on a just legal system that is regarded by everybody as being transparent and just. Under those circumstances, going back to the hypothetical example, I I may really still be angry at the guy who broke my wife's arm. But I am satisfied that the system worked as intended, and yeah, I didn't get to scalp the guy like he richly deserved, but he did get punished. And he isn't going to be punished anymore, no matter how angry I am, but vengeance has been done, and it's over. If that doesn't happen, all that anger and rage stays inside of me, and it will come out somewhere else. Maybe against that guy, maybe against somebody else. But the society will be in turmoil, as ours is right now. Everybody is doing this in there about the Supreme Court. Rightly so. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that you're wrong about that. But it gives you an idea of what happens when the legal system breaks down. Government is really important. And it's really important that it be just. And it's really important that it be seen to be just by the people who are governed. Because if it's not, that's when you start having vigilante justice. That's when you start having riots. That's when you start having rebellion. So go out there and work for justice. 